Today on the Therapy Dogs Australia podcast, Sam and I chat with the wonderful Joey Parnell about the benefits and challenges when working with multiple therapy dogs at a time. Joey trained her therapy dogs through Therapy Dogs Australia, but she also has a wealth of experience and knowledge working with people and animals outside of that. Strap yourselves in for another golden podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to yet another fantastic episode with the Therapy Dogs Australia podcast. So today, Sam King and Joey Parnell are going to be chatting about working with therapy dogs. Joey's got three therapy dogs. She trained through Therapy Dogs Australia, and that's how um, Sam and Joey connected. Um, and we're going to, yeah, go on this journey and I'm very excited to hear all about it. So Joey, do you want to just kick us off to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I actually grew up in Western central Queensland on a large uh, grain and cattle property. My first job when I was 16 was a contract musterer. So I used my horses and dogs to gather and yard cattle. And I also oh. completed an agricultural and animal husbandry diploma at that time, so just after school. Um, and a few years later, I was training horses professionally. So it wasn't till like my late 20s that I went back to university to study uh, social science counselling and later youth work. Um, so currently I'm working part-time as a school chaplain and part-time running my business, which includes counselling, equine therapy and dog therapy. So I work in one high school and two primary schools with my dogs and the dogs also assist in some counselling sessions and all equine therapy sessions. And I get love what I get to do. That is so cool. I love that you've got the horses and the dogs there too. Like that's just awesome because we've we've talked about that with um, Sam, haven't we? With um, yeah. yeah, what you're what you're getting into now as well. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so with your, so you, you teach, sorry, you, you work at a school and then you have your own business. Is that kind of split down the middle or is there one that dominates your time more? It's probably fairly evenly split. Yeah. So three days a week in one school and then um, the other two and a half days uh, with my business. Uh, I don't work full days with the dogs. Like usually it's two to three hours with some breaks between when we're in a school just for that purpose. Whereas my other position the dogs sort of assist in what I'm doing. So they get large rests on an eight hour day while they're in the school. Cool. And um, what, what dogs do you have? Can we introduce the dogs? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have um, uh, Flame, who's a border collie, uh, sorry, a golden retriever. And I have Bella, who is a border collie. And my young pup, uh, who's just been certified, she's a Kelpie. Her name's Wolfie. Wolfie. <laughs> so cute. That she has so cute. intense eyes, so that's how she got named. That she had very intense blue eyes. Now she in, has intense yellow cat eyes. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. I was in the high school today, and one of the kids goes, "She's looking at me funny because she has this real intense look." <laughs> and I'm like, "She's okay. She's friendly. You'll be okay to come in." <laughs> that's very cool. Um. So do. The kids, I mean, let me let me rephrase that. Um, so do the dogs um, work, you do have one one day off and one day on with each dog or do you have some dogs 
um, at the school at the same time or? Yeah, so how it works, um, I generally, yeah, just stagger it a little bit. So Bella's having a, a, a week off this week until Friday, Saturday, she'll assist with the equine sessions. Um, and I've got Wolfie, the young pup, has a lot more energy. She's young and uh, we, we're obviously scaffolding and keeping her very calm at the moment so she's not too excitable and not too many large groups of kids but she's sort of ready she's ready to put some time in so um today i had flame and wolfie working together so she's Wolf, uh, flames like a little bit of a coach because she's so calm and placid and just um grounds wolfie and then tomorrow i will probably take flame in to the school where i work the eight hour day and then wolfie will go back in on wednesday so Today's next monday for everyone's thing sorry yeah <laughs> And so next week we'll rotate that round again. So Bella will be doing a bit more. So cool. So one of the one of the things that I think is um, really cool for us to talk about today is the dynamics of working with multiple dogs at once as well, because most people haven't had an opportunity to work with more than one dog in a room. I fortunately have, um, and I have you know my insights on it. But I'd love to hear yours, Joey. Sure. So in one school, my high school, it's quite a small room, um, probably not much bigger than a regular office, um, and we just have chairs all around the outside. Um, so for an hour and 20 minutes, I have one-on-ones or maybe one or possibly two kids in there. We're working up to two, but at the moment it's still one. And then we do a 35-minute lunch break where we'll have eight kids come in, just sit around in the chairs and then they'll just move in and out. We'll make sure we don't have any more than eight. Uh, otherwise it gets a bit hectic in there. Um, yeah, and I, you do, for my my way, I guess my job there is just to manage whether the kids are getting a bit excitable or, you know, just monitoring the stress signals of my dogs, um, make sure we have good rest periods, uh, good rest period before the lunch break because that's quite intense, um, the lunch break session and my older dogs have worked up to that so they did a lot of one-on-ones before we did that so Wolfie it was her first time today and she did quite well I didn't see too many stress signals there was one point where she was sort of asking me if she could leave the room and I just sort of um, asked a few kids to just exit so we had less kids in the room and she had a little bit of time to come down my other primary school it's uh, we meet in a like a um uh, after school care yard it's like it's under mm-hmm. a big tree big grassy area so it's a lot of fun we can play some games in there um, I have this game I've developed called hide the treat so I just got mm-hmm. like little muffin little muffin cups and I get the kids I, I put like a little therapy dog Australia blindfold on the dogs they've got used to it so <laughs> I, count to, I, I count to 20 and the kids are going to go out and hide these treats and yeah mm-hmm. it's sort of like a large backyard and then, um, you know, we go, we, I just take one, I say, find the treat. And, and we sort of assist a little bit. The old dogs are really good. They've got, you know, kids will hide them in trees and everywhere. And uh, so that's you. a bit of fun. So we do a little bit more of that more game stuff. There's more, a bit more room and scope for that. And we also do walks around the oval. Um, we'll put the dogs over an obstacle. If there's a prep playground, we'll, we'll put them through the, some obstacles um and as well as having that lovely downtime of grooming petting you know talking about their interests talking about their worries um I just gauge it on the the uh, um I guess the activity level of the child and how the dogs are going you know what I mean yeah yeah 
Oh, and and I guess as far as two dogs go, it that that primary school where I have the uh, the playground area, I'll have two children at once. Mm-hmm. And at first, I found that quite stressful trying to manage yeah. that. You know, I'm thinking I want to get my dog safe, and um, but now I find it really it's just sort of part of what I do. Um, and yeah, the the dogs I find actually support each other really nicely. My dogs have got mm. a really nice pack. They're, there's not a lot of um bullying or one-upmanship that goes on in them they're really easy they get along really well yeah and like sleep in each other's beds and that sort of thing so they're very yeah and so I found that actually they were happier when they were together Mm. yeah yeah I find that too sorry sorry, Max mine are like so I used to work with um one dog at a time because I was rotating the dogs and then I ended up with enough dogs that I could like pair them up yeah. and I found um, I got a lot more because I'm in private practice so the dogs actually can learn really quickly to be like a bit lazy so like they just get it's like their lounge room you know yeah. like they just, <laughs> That's right. we just like greet you and hello and you know might fetch the ball a couple of times and then they're asleep um <laughs> useless dogs <laughs> so I um found that with two and I've done that with young dogs as well like I um pair them up with an older dog um yeah. they do a lot of the socialization stuff as well for you so like that dogs they're so social they learn off of each other they'll learn yes. bad habits off each other as well so you know you've got to kind of be careful like that's Sonny, my oldest lab, he chases the mower. He just loves power tools. Any power tool ever, as soon as you, doesn't matter what it is, drill, nothing, doesn't matter. He's just so, he's such a boy. He's like, oh my God, yes, power tools. Like I'm getting so excited. And um, his favorite thing's always been the mower. But he's taught all the other dogs to act like you need to in the mower as well. <laughs> Which I just let them do because I think it's fun until I get sick of it and then I lock them up. But yeah. <laughs> but they think it's fun, so it's all right. But um, they learn good things off them too. So, you know, if you've got a therapy dog that you're working with and they're going, you get them going good, they're going steady and then you start training up another one um, once they get old enough, that other one, your newer ones, they get old enough, you can pair them up and they will start really sort of, just, yeah, that mentoring the young yeah. one through um, all their little bits and pieces, routine of the day and stuff like that, which is really cool. But mine are way more active. Like they're so, they play, like my dogs, like your dogs um, as well, Joey, and they play and it's like, you know, they're wrestling and stuff like that, but it adds another um, dynamic, like a social dynamic for me. So now they're seeing the clients seeing an interaction between two dogs and now we can sort of project out onto that or, you know, interpret that sort of thing. And I have all three of my dogs now. So I don't work with two dogs at the clinic anymore because I only have two dogs that I take to the clinic. Sunny doesn't go to the clinic anymore because he's semi-retired, but um, i got a clinic room at home and all three dogs work together in that room. And it is so funny. Like it's chaos. (laughs) It's just chaos when people arrive, like the dogs, I've got this huge big couch. It's like my old lounge room couch. So I just donated it to the dogs because they took it over anyway. It's huge, big couch, this huge, big room. And the dogs like, because when 
um, my kids come here, I let them choose um, horses or dogs uh, so they can be outside and we can do horse stuff or they can come inside and do dog stuff. Um, and so the, sometimes the dogs are waiting, like, you know, the kids are outside with the horses. So the dogs are like, oh, come on, come on. Who's <laughs> <laughs> going in? <laughs> and so someone like chooses dogs and then, because usually in the middle of the day, it's too hot, too hot outside. So we have dog appointments in the middle of the day and someone comes in and the dogs are like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> but they play, 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 play. And it, there's just so much interaction between them as well that we get to like draw on and so for example like some kids when they see the dogs wrestling because they'll play growl and stuff so they'll be like oh they're fighting you know and so then we'll talk about oh so what what is it that makes you see fighting you know like what is it that looks like fighting and you know or some kids straight away like they're playing or you know they'll be like she's bossing him around or he won't (laughs) share or you know like all those things that come out but there are things that we can then because I do a lot of social skills training they're those things that we can use then um and then I often find so I really like they we're always just trying to get the dogs to offer stuff because that's what is the most interesting and useful and I always find even just when I think this is very un- just unstructured play at the beginning of the session, um, which is fine because it's, I would have wasted that time um, talking about the weather or whatever, like to, you know, bring clients in and build rapport and make them feel comfortable in the space. And, you know, it's you normally have a little bit of chit chat of some sort, but I let the dogs do it. So they're playing with the dogs and sort of stuff. So I'm like, oh, it's cool to have a little bit of unstructured time, play time in the middle we always end up coming back to it so it's always some kind of narrative or like um some kind of interaction that's taken place in the play so whether it's just the dogs or it's the kid plus the dogs or interpretation of the dogs or whatever I always find like during the rest of the session like whatever we are working on we might go and do something else then and like you know watch something on the iPad about sharing or whatever or do a worksheet or have a conversation or whatever it is. But I always find like that I can come back, that thing works its way back in. Mm. It's kind of like when Oliver was, you know, X, Y, Z, like it's sort of a bit like that kind of thing. Probably because you're looking for it. Like you're, you know, like you're paying attention while the dogs are playing and stuff like that. But I just reckon there's so much more. The dogs are heaps more energetic. They're heaps more, like their personalities just come out like so much more when there's, especially especially one of their pack mates. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Do you find that most of the time you've got at least two in the room then, Sam? Like always? Here I do. Adjust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah at home I do and at the um, clinic or do you sort of change it back and forth no yeah because I've only I've only I'm only taking I've only got two dogs Oliver and Nala go to the clinic oh so you swap Sunny doesn't yeah so I alternate their days so I've only got one but I remember when Nala was younger and I had her paired up with the other dogs um same thing like you so much more content there but also I got sick of it because you got two dogs all the time <laughs> and you are dogs still, everywhere yeah and you are still supervising even more because yeah. you've got yeah the young the young yeah. one yeah I would agree with that like going to school um for an eight-hour day I wouldn't want two dogs there the whole time people say why don't you bring the second dog oh, it's too much to yeah. manage because I've got to go to meetings and do other things other than just do dog therapy and 
And so, um, yeah, and oh, it's interesting you were saying, Sam, with my equine sessions, I have all three dogs there. And there's a lot of, yeah, that what you're talking about, the wrestling and that sort of thing and opportunities to talk about interactions and family dynamics and that sort of thing. It's very cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. That's why I like working with multiple horses as well. Like it's fine to work yeah. with one horse for some stuff, but multiple horses too because those herd dynamics, like they're so rich, rich with content and the, the, dog, the dogs are the same. Yeah, my dogs can be outside with the horses as well, except I don't have dog fencing. Um, and if they wander off, then I'm like, my dogs will wear little GPS trackers. But um, if they wander next door or something, I don't want to be thinking, where are the dogs? Yeah, you want to be focused. You know? yeah. yeah, where did they go? Are they in the chicken coop eating the eggs? <laughs> Highly, high, high, high <laughs> chance of that. That's almost I've, definitely where they are. I've got two areas that aren't at home, so I think it helps. And they've learned where the I've taught them with your, you guys help of where the boundaries are. My um, GPS collars have got virtual fences, so it sends yeah. you a, a ding to your phone to say <laughs> like, Sunny has left the, <laughs> the area area marked safe. <laughs> and I've got like one of my neighbors has got like all this junk in his yard and there's big like 20,000 snakes in there so he's I've made a little virtual fence for him it's the unsafe area and then I get a little little ding that Sunny has entered the unsafe area <laughs> and I'm like this bloody dog so, it's annoying but you can find like I let, let it because you know like they wander you know, feeding the horses and stuff like that so um but during client sessions, it's too hard because I can't, like, yeah. first of all, my phone's not dinging because it's on silent. Yeah. And second of all, if he does wander next door, he's actually the only one that does it. But if he does wander off next door, not I'm going to be have my attention split. But also yeah. what if the client is like, where's Sonny? And, like, is worried about him, you know? Mm, yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah, totally. And it's funny sure. when watching them flame thinks she's invisible. She does like stealth mode. I'm just mm-hmm. walking away. So you can't <laughs> oh. yes. see me. <laughs> yes. But she's not doing that now. She's actually awesome. She just lays around. She's, I don't know, like where if I often have like a, I'm working with a child, the parent will be on a seat a bit further away and she'll usually sit with them. So yeah. Everyone's they, included. Yeah, they usually, everyone, gets a, everyone gets a dog or a horse. <laughs> they usually hang around where the reinforcement is, you know, like so That's it's cool. only if we get Sunny doesn't like to come in with the horses because my little mini used to chase him. So oh, <laughs> he sort of wants to stay out of the paddock. So, yeah, if we all go down there, like he'll sort of hang on the edges, but then all the action's happening in the paddock now, so it's boring. So he'll be like, mm, <laughs> I wonder what um the neighbour's doing. <laughs> hey. I'll see you guys. <laughs> phone's like ding ding. Sunny has entered. That was funny. Rat bags. <laughs> so Joy, um, a lot of people might not know what our process is for um assessing a second dog and a third dog. So do you want to um fill people in a little bit on what that is since you've been through it? A few times. 
So I guess it's um, similar to what you do, but you don't have to do the whole course again. You're just doing your obedience uh, videos. Um, and also I've got a locum trainer who does the temperament and manners testing. Um, so it's just a matter of, yeah, I guess what was helpful for me raising this puppy is I had all that information from when she was six weeks old. So mm. I did a much better job on her because <laughs> I had her right from you know, when she was tiny, teaching her about boundaries and behaviour shaping and all that sort of stuff. So um, and I was already doing it with the others, so she just fell in, you know, with all that. And so it wasn't that difficult, I guess, because I just, you know, I had to refresh a few things. And then, yeah, and then when she turned 12 months of age, I did um, I did it actually over summer break because I had a bit more time just to concentrate on one thing a week and mm. it was much less stressful for her and me. Um, it was lovely actually it was really enjoyable and I was able to choose some environments that challenged her a bit and challenged me and um, yeah so we got that done over five weeks um, and then I booked in with um, Nicole which was our locum trainer I think mid-January and yeah. got all that submitted by early Feb and yeah and then we've had this is her second week woohoo woohoo she's going Brand really new. well that's exciting I just, just love her Mm-hmm. so um can I actually <laughs> um no I was going to ask what were the sort of things um you mentioned boundaries but um yes. what other things did you find really useful when you got her as a puppy um because we've just started our puppy and adolescent mm-hmm. um, mentoring programs to kind of help people set yes. the right foundations before they do the course yes. and it's kind of great because you did that yourself in a, yes. in a different way but what other things did you find you were just so relieved that you knew yeah I think um one of the big things I picked up was I didn't play enough with flame when she was little I focused too much on obedience and not enough play so yeah. I really um made sure with Wolfie we did that so that 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 later on I could have some safe play I tried to introduce it to Bella but because Bella's a herding animal and has quite a strong bite Um, when she gets excited I feel like she doesn't mind herself so I actually have stopped her doing a lot of the stuff I do with Wolfie Wolfie's very safe she's very gentle even though she sort of like Sam said she'll sort of seem like she's showing teeth and mucking around but she's I've made sure she's really safe so I think that was really key make getting that nice safe play I didn't she does herd cattle but I haven't majored on that because I don't want her too aggressive for that reason I don't want to start healing children um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which Bella can forget a manner sometimes. I've had a couple of situations where we're playing ball games because Bella plays amazing defense, soccer, and stuff. <laughs> it's incredible. But occasionally she'll forget herself and hit a heel or a finger. That was in my early days on those lessons. So that was a big key. And also, I think with the boundaries. So in our course, we learn about um, choosing your boundaries that your dogs, that you want your dogs not to cross without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never really done a lot of that. I did a little bit of they needed to wait till I walked through a doorway and they followed me rather than pushing through, but I hadn't sort of worked on that a lot. So that was a big one for me. Um, I'm trying to think of, I guess, it, it's just those little things like using, I still struggle, Sam knows I still struggle with growling instead of saying no because it's instinctual mm-hmm. in doing that for, mm-hmm. let's say, 35 years I've been doing that when I really want to stop them from doing something. So that's still something I have to work on. Mm. But just the warning tone of good girl, or I use a lot of that with their names because they 
my um, working dogs are really sensitive. Um, so if I say good girl, they always think that they've done something wrong with a tone. So I had to say Wolfie or Flame, Bella, and they know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Been really helpful. Um, so they know when they're in a good dog and I'll go, Bella, good dog, Wolfie. <laughs> that sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah, I love that. Love all that. It's pretty mm. cool. I do that sort of stuff as well. You know, <laughs> it is hard to get rid of that. So um, what Joey's talking about there, for anyone who doesn't know, um, we try not to say ah, ah at our dogs. Um, the reason we try and get out of that habit is because in a work setting with a client, it's quite abrasive of a noise. It's like a kind of noise. So we actually use no as a marker with our dogs, but we give them a warning before they get to that point. So we find that once we get like a really cool, like pat, consistent pattern of training with the dogs, like when my, if my dogs get a no these days, like it's usually like, no, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Like it's, but when you're first training, you can, no really travels. So um, anyone who's already on our training videos, I've got heaps of example videos on there of like my dogs chasing wallabies through my paddocks. And I'm like, no. And they just stop in their tracks. And Nala comes running back because she's a sook. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, or um, like we've seen some snakes around here now the last couple of weeks. Um, so things like that, like I've got heaps of example videos in the training video library now, like of the dogs um, responding to that stuff. Whereas like if your dog's chasing a wallaby and they're, you know, across the other side of the paddock and you're like, ah, ah. <laughs> it doesn't travel as well. No, <laughs> it really wouldn't. doesn't. Um, but in the, like in the therapy or school context or setting, um, the dogs are good enough and you know, well-managed enough that we can use our warning tone, which yeah. is that good girl, which means like good choices. I'm watching you. <laughs> um, or it doesn't, so it's just a tone. So it doesn't matter what you say. So like Joey's saying, she'd be like, Wolfie, that kind of tone. But I do that with my dogs too, where, you know, it'll be like, or even if I, I'll say things like, so it's so good using tone because you can work it into um, so, you know, if it, probably the best way to think about this is like, um, like a, like a skit or like a role play kind of setting, you know, when you like, like if you play dress ups kind of thing, like, you know, where I can, you know, when you're talking to kids and you can be like, you're just mucking around, like a lot of what you're doing is just mucking around being like, oh, and is the sky blue white? Like, you know, and you're just letting them just talk absolute nonsense or, you know, things like that. And you're like, is it? Okay. And then, and then what happens when, you know, the purple rain comes out of the sky or like, you know, you're talking to them about Santa and you're like, so how does he get up the, up back up the chimney? And they're like magic. And you're like, oh, is it? Okay. That's pretty clever. You know, those kinds of things. Probably the best way to describe it is because you can include your dog into those conversations like so you'll be like they might be like you know Nala's stealing my plushie or whatever like it is that they think is happening um or is happening 
And I can be like, is she? Nala, <laughs> are you stealing a plushie? You know, but because you've got that tone happening, like the dog's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so <I> like that. <laughs> There's things like that. I like work it in all the time. And like, you know, as long as your dogs understand the tone, which they do, they get it so quick, don't they, Joey? Like, well, you yeah, started, really. you started yeah. a puppy on tone. Yeah. So how quickly yeah. did Wolfie pick up and understand oh. tone? straight away instantly yeah. And, yeah. Such a, and like I think I've, I don't know, I've, I've had really good dogs that just want to please you so um and I guess that's because we spend a lot of time with them build that rapport and yeah you know we're sort of the center of their world so um yeah yeah no, breed, she, I, the I, breeds I, there too yeah the mm. yeah I rarely have to it would be in a sort of an emergency situation where I'd have to use it should be a no, but it's probably going to be a growl. And then I'll remember afterwards to say no. Um, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you have, it needs to be so quick. Or well, for me, you know, mm-hmm. I can see something about to happen that I want to stop usually. Um, and then I'm, and then I will, like you said, I'm apologising to the client. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rare these days. Um, and even when I do the warning tone, sometimes the high schoolers are a bit, they're a bit uh, savvy and they'll look at me and I'll, and then, and then, and then the dog will do something different. I go, oh, good girl for making a different choice. And you're sort of <laughs> yes. Like, okay. That's <laughs> you know? And then, yeah. and then they smile. Yeah. Yeah, but that's basically the crux of it is that you can speak to them in the code language because the client doesn't know that the dog is trained on tone. So it doesn't matter what I'm saying. If I'm going to use like a praise tone, then I'm going to bring the dog's energy and engagement up. And if I use a warning tone, then I'm going to bring the energy and engagement down. So, and that's basically as simple as I need it to be to um, guide an interaction that the dog has started. So whether I want the interaction to um, increase or I want it to decrease uh, based off of like what, you know, the client has interpreted is happening or like the projections that they're doing and things like that, um, then I can guide that. But the client doesn't know that that's what's happening. So it's yeah. not us, you know, um, making it really overt that like, so people say, so people use leave it. So I'm not against, so just for the record, I'm not against people going uh-uh at their dogs. I do that too. Um, and I'm not against people using words like leave it. I use that too, but you've just got to try not to use them in your therapy context. And I mean, it's not that big of a deal if you do, but it's better if you don't, like it's just a better outcome if you don't. So if you can't, so that's why we try and teach people a different way of doing it because it's more um, useful and malleable in terms of um, the client interaction with the dog. Why did I start saying that? What was I saying? Oh, leave it. So, <laughs> so um, I use leave it still sometimes too, but um, the examples that I always give in the courses are around when you're, you have a young person or a client, or it could be not a young person, it could be just a client of any sort, but they're building trust in the dog and they might bring in something that they don't want the dog to interact with. Uh, so it might be their lunch that happens a lot uh it could be their handbag it could be a yeah, toy like, 
their to- yeah their toy that they love like kids bring in their comfort stuff so they've got blankets and little comfort things and stuff like that or a part of their body as well so when the dog's showing a lot of they're just dogs like they're just interested you know what I mean and like absolutely my dog's going to take that toy if you think if you make them think that that's an option yes absolutely they want your plushie definitely (laughs) (laughs) they want it I don't know I I don't know if I said this before but I can't like enter my house with a plastic bag with Mm. like you know you go to Kmart and get plushie toys for the dogs soft toys I hate doing it because the dogs just immediately rip them up and it's a mess I have to pick it up but every now and then Every now and then I'm like, oh, well, you know, like they've been good, so I'll get them something to destroy. <laughs> get the cheapest possible ones because I'm like, it's going to rip them up. But I cannot walk anywhere near my dogs holding a plastic bag with plushies in it without them going nuts. I don't know, they know. how they know. How do they know their dog toys? Yeah, <laughs> what? How? I don't know. Anyway, so funny. But um, when that's happening, we don't want to say, so like, I've had heaps of circumstances like this. I find that saying leave it to the dog in that setting when a person's come in with something that they don't want the dog engaging with, it kind of puts that tone on it that like my dog is going to engage in that. So I'm having to say leave it, leave it, leave it kind of thing. Um, Again, really not that, it's not a, not a deal breaker, but what we get to say is good boy good boy so if he goes and looks at the little plushie that someone's brought in you know kids have got their they're their comfort toys so they're like the dog's done <laughs> i go oh he's not gonna he's not gonna take your plushie good boy sonny you know and so it just helps to build trust in the dog there where it's like oh he's not gonna take my plushie and i'm going good boy good girl nala good girl <laughs> like that and then so the dog's hearing do not touch that plushie (laughs) (laughs) that's what the dog hears but the client hears she's not gonna take your plushie darling good girl Nala like that so you know if you think about the difference between that and a little person coming in with they're like she's gonna take it and I'm like Nala leave it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's, it's a bit of a, a dampener, different... isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of a dampener and it's it's just a vibe. And I also find like, so people come in that like they own pets, so um, they smell like pets. So sometimes the dogs yeah. can get like right in their space yeah. and they're <laughs> sort like, of. You've got another dog at home. and <laughs> They're right on their, all over their body, like their torsos and all that sort of stuff, like right up in their legs and that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. And if you say to them, Nala, leave it you're actually talking about a human (laughs) when you say it (laughs) which like I keep saying like maybe we're splitting hairs here I don't know I've been I've been like full on about this since forever but maybe I'm splitting hairs you're listening to this like who cares Sam get over it maybe I'm splitting hairs but we are in therapeutic settings so as a psychologist with a client in the room I'm just going to say it's probably better if I don't refer to the client as it. It <laughs> <laughs> <That> makes sense. <laughs> or babies. The dogs love the smell of babies, you know. Mm, yeah, you don't want to be saying leave it when you're talking about someone's baby. Yeah. Right? yeah. I have adopted a little um, phrase, which I didn't learn 
uh, with therapy dogs, but it's been helpful because Wolfie's a bit of a licker. Nice. And, um, <laughs> yeah, especially when she's excited. So um, we've been working on this since she was little. So now if I touch her on the top of the nose, I go, that'll do. And she'll just yep. know she needs to put a tongue back in her mouth. Um, but I can also <laughs> just say it, like if she's, like you say, getting up and I said, that'll do, um, she'll just yep. know she needs to tone it down with, it's sort of a little bit softer. And sometimes I use good girl with a warning tone, but I don't, yeah, that'll do. doesn't seem to dampen the environment too much. Yeah. I use that enough. Like, yeah, every, every, that's our cease and desist. Yes. Command. Um, is that's like, so whatever it is, so whether like, whatever the dog's doing, if that's, yes. it's time to stop doing it, that's enough is our cease and desist. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. I use that'll do for Oliver when he's finished hurting the chickens into the chicken coop. <laughs> yeah. That's probably where, it's, it's probably where it's come from. It was a, hurting. A, dog, a dog thing if they were, you know, pushing hard on a beast and we wanted them to back up and say, that'll do now. Yeah. 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 That's Oliver's, um, conditioned terminating reinforcer for like herding is that'll do so then he knows yeah. like he can he's allowed to shut off the sheep yeah. or shut off the chickens and come and get the reward you know which for him is jumping up for a big cuddle jumping <laughs> yeah, around. Like, he's not he's not a legitimate farm dog so <laughs> Well, for me, it's more staying position, but just ease off. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I use steady, yeah, steady, steady, steady for that because he gets yeah. too excited, especially with the chickens because chickens are idiots. You can't hurt them. <laughs> you, can't. you can't hurt them. It's a nightmare, mate. It's a nightmare. That would be amazing if you could. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I have heaps of videos of us like doing a, a half-ass job, but when he like, goes in the banana plants and pushes them, out of the banana plant so I don't have to go in there you know like so yeah ducks heard I know we know gotta get ducks or geese or something so he yeah can... but I've heard that geese can be savages yes so so can... I. go with ducks maybe mm-hmm. I'll get some ducks ducks down, <laughs> ducks down in the paddock but they just fly away so when now now runs down into the dam for a swim at about 30 ducks just absolutely <laughs> launch to the yeah. sky. <laughs> Might have to catch some wings, eh? Yeah. Get them running. <laughs> maybe that's why people get geese. Or like those, maybe there's a big, maybe there is big ducks. Maybe they don't fly so much because they'd be yeah, pretty I think heavy. they're too fat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Aerodynamics would be all wrong. He would love that. I've got baby chickens at the moment and he's just, he's set. That's his, so he was introduced to chicken, had free range chickens when he was a puppy in his critical period. So that's yeah, his right. thing of like, oh, he's, that's his species. Yeah. So he just follows them around <laughs> the yard and like, he's just obsessed with who sits in the garden <laughs> with them and just watches them. Oh, and, them and he's like, oh, I know little birdies, I love you. And then they like, <laughs> if they don't, he's the problem is, he can't, if I'm like, push him, push him up to try and push him out of the banana plants. He can't because if they don't want to go, he's actually scared of them. <laughs> like, or if they, like, walk towards him, he has to leap back, like, two metres because he's like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, right, I'll get it. I'll get the you can't really say, You can't really say, get him, get him, get him, which is what I do for the cows. Get him, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> 
You can try like he just he just gets excited. Like if I <laughs> if I psych him up, he just runs like just starts jumping around like. But it's so are the chickens, so you know. <laughs> We only really do it as an enrichment activity. A lot of the time <laughs> he makes it a lot more difficult to get the chickens back in the coop. So <laughs> not so helpful. He goes he goes <laughs> off script and he stands at the doorway. So then they're like, they can't get in, you know? I'm oh, like, yeah, that's the right. thing. <laughs> no. I always want to work opposite. <laughs> well, mate, you're killing me. You're killing me with this. <laughs> <laughs> It's even better if my partner's doing it because the dogs don't listen to him at all. So it's just Oliver just trying to do it himself. And then my partner's trying to get the chickens in, but Oliver's standing in the doorway. He's like, no, <laughs> the dogs are like, you don't, you're not mum. So <laughs> we actually don't have to do anything you say. So entertaining. <laughs> Classic. Oh, dear. Good times, good times. Good time. So it is um, to make a point of uh, what Joe was saying before as well. Um, it is a thing that if you do the training with one dog, we are training you, the handler, um, and training you in the theoretical stuff and all those concepts. So I think even like stuff like we talked about today, like why we do certain things and things we need to keep in mind. Don't call your clients it, you know, truly hard not to do that. Um, so things like that. So we train you in the course with the dog. We train you how to train your own dog and all that sort of stuff. But once we've done that with you, we don't need to retrain you over and over again. So that's why you get to then, if you've got a second dog or a third dog or, you know, you decide. So some people decide not to continue with animal assisted therapy with the dog that they bring along to the course. They decide that actually now that they've learned what they learned in the course, they don't think this dog is suitable. Um, so they don't progress to assessments with them, but they might get a, another dog. So they get a different dog. They get a puppy or they get an adolescent or breastfeed something or whatever. So when that happens, um, they don't have to repeat the course with that dog. They just do the assessments with that dog. So you, the human will only need to do the courses once and then you assess. And so then Joey now each year has to do three reassessments, which is a nightmare. <laughs> and she adds up, she adds up if you start doing them like that. Um, but you know, that's three dogs. So that's, you know most people usually have two um but at least you don't have to pay for a course multiple courses that's the idea it's also good because bella's getting she's 12 now so i don't know whether she'll have another year so my, yeah, yeah. my idea is to fade one in and one out so yeah. uh, we'll see how she goes yeah yeah sunny's 12 as well so it was the same thing when i got nala it's just having a progression plan in place yeah. Some people do choose to do the courses again um, as refreshers. And, I mean, it's your PD anyway, like if, you, if you're if doing PD, counting PD hours and stuff. Um, some people do do that. The course content does uh, grow over the years. So, you know, like someone who's done the course five years ago would find it to be very different today. Same principles, but, you know, obviously updated. Uh, some people do choose to do that, but you don't have to is the point. Do not have to do that. But yeah, but it's pretty cool. I think um, we are definitely seeing, so we've got like the way we have our software set up and stuff. We've got um, the dogs profile set up and we have more and more and more people that have got second dog, third dog, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes 
um, the first dog, yeah, like they retire or they pass away or something happens or whatever. Um, and then we end up, you know, we've got second and third dogs and stuff like that. And it's just really cool to see. Love it. Especially the multiple dog thing. Mm, such a community. It is such a community. And yeah, well, I mean, I get to work with horses as well. So the the herd dynamic thing is just something that I find particularly in my role and what I do with my clients and what my goals, their goals are and things I'm trying to achieve with them. I find herd dynamics and pack dynamics so useful. Um, so if you work with a client group that you sort of think, oh, that actually would be really useful for me to do, um, maybe consider whether or not you have the capacity for another animal at your house because that's the first decision isn't it joey yeah absolutely and and also you know your commitment to obviously i'm up at four o'clock every day and walking the dogs about 5 30 they get a good run every morning and then you know they'll get playtime and stuff in the afternoon so it's a commitment yeah so we don't want to be buying dogs or you know inheriting dogs collecting dogs that we can't don't have the time for because the training, I don't know what your experience is, Joey, but I have to put at least a year, but um, preferably two years. So I've only ever bought dogs two years apart, no closer than two years apart, um, because I genuinely think you need to put two years yeah, into a dog. Yeah. I mean, the Wolfie's got the basics, but she's just starting to learn, and it's like an apprenticeship, I would think, mm. maybe 12 months. And then, yeah, so you definitely... I'd yeah, also so- um, imagine like <clears throat> even though we were talking about how they dogs learn from one another, there is that allowance for um, you have to be prepared that you might get a second dog or a third dog and that they're different and they need something different from the previous dog. So it's, I think it's also worth pointing out that it's not as simple as, oh, well, then the other dogs will just teach them and like they yeah, might no. need something a bit yeah. different. Yeah. Absolutely. You go, you go. I was going to say absolutely and especially if you're if your first dog's not right like if you're trying to get another dog because your first dog can't do everything that you want to do with it mm. then that system's probably not going to work for you. Mm. What you. Do you remember what you were going to say Joey? You lost oh yeah, that just made me on another thought. Um, I think you know Wolfie's more playful and I've encouraged that. Um, yep. We've brought it out a little bit the others, but probably not in a client setting that they're sort of formed of how they engage with that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think behaviour-wise and obedience-wise, that would be really critical. I have noticed that, um, you know, the whole putting their paw, I um, purposely didn't teach them to shake hands because mm-hmm. I felt like the dogs always feel like they have to do it. Then when the clients always say it. Yes. Whereas for me, my dogs will do it when they choose to do it, when they want to engage or, you know, um, provide comfort or empathy. And it's always a big thing when they do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the client makes a big deal out of it. And so I've noticed all the dogs have learned that from each other, which has been really lovely. Um, yeah. Lovely. So I think mostly with my pack, they've had positive. Um, I think it's because I had the obedience stuff from when I was before I did yes. the TDA. Course. Yeah, that would have helped. Yeah. And also with yeah. your yeah. background with horses too, like you've had a lot of a lot of that background with horses and dogs. Like it definitely yeah. makes a difference. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. 
Yeah. But um, I was going to say uh, it's interesting that um, because they have the dogs and the horses work together, the certain dogs have formed certain connections with the horses. So Flame will sit under my black mare and they, she will nuzzle her all around the neck and the head and Flame just Aww. sits there and loves it. And Wolfie uh, has to be involved with cleaning out feet. Like she's got to be there supervising under the horse. So it's real. <laughs> that sort of stuff is really cute and uh, interactive and so like across species and there's a lot of trust there and we can talk about that with, um, with the clients as well. That's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty cute. Absolutely love that. Nala and Dingo have a special little relationship like that. Dingo's one of my Brumbies. I have cute. another challenge for myself. It'd be interesting. I'm doing a 100K horse trek overnight and Wolfie's coming and I want to teach her to ride the Pax horse. So it's going to be oh, amazing. Stay That's cool. tuned. See how that goes. Amazing. <laughs> love that. Needs a little rest. She can sit up there. Oh, my goodness. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Cute. Um, yeah. So if you put the time in, so like Joe saying, she's got a dog that's just on 12 months. But if you put the time in, get them to that 12 months, get them working, and then another 12 months, get them really established because you're trying, remember they're adolescent, so you're trying to establish their personality and temperament and stuff and really get that right um you know obedience and manners obviously definitely very important but like the dog's personality and stuff we're trying to really get that right as well so um there's lots of guiding of like you know these are the things that you're offering that we really like like let's yeah like offer that more like cool here are the things that you're offering that probably aren't that helpful in this setting. So if you could stop barking at every bird that flies past, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. You know, stuff like that. You really, you're putting so much time into getting them right. But once you get them right, like my older dogs, like even Nala now, cause she's three, um, they're just, they're cruisy and they're, you can maintain them. And they're so, they're way less time consuming to maintain if you put that time into them early on. Uh, and get them really going and going good um, as opposed to like, so if you've got a 12 month old dog and you're like, yeah, cool. I'm going to start working with them. And then you buy a puppy while you're still trying to adjust to working with your dog. Cause there's a lot of work on once you get them into a workplace mm-hmm. or volunteer setting or whatever it is, there's a lot of work on getting that stage, right. Mm-hmm. You get a puppy at the same time and you start doing wild things like trying to take puppies places and stuff like that, then it's going to really take away from what effort you could have put into your 12 to 24 month old dog. Um, You're going to end up with probably not as good of a dog or a situation as what you could have had in terms of like dogs still might be fine, but in terms of it being easier to manage them then for the rest of their career. Like I really find yeah. like get it right and then the rest of the time you're reducing that load for yourself and for your dog in terms of just being able to be managed, well-managed and um, got good routines and stuff like that happening. Just it's much easier. One thing I learned in the course too, which I thought was really exciting, is once you did have your dog set, like you can really trust them and just let stuff play out. And that was a bit new to me. I was mm. used to probably being cute uh, you know accused of being a bit helicopter parenty um with my working dogs so um 
I love that. And, you know, I've, I've learned to trust, mm. just see how things play out. And then you can, even if things sort of don't go quite how you imagine, you can always use it as a learning experience as long as it's safe. So yeah. I love that if you do set them right, you can actually start to trust your dogs. Um, yeah, which is cool. Which is so, so important for the whole animal-assisted therapy space the human animal bond to develop and for people to be able to have um you know organically developed relationships with these animals which is where the therapeutic benefits supposed to come from i used to say it way more i say it a bit less now but i used to say stay out of it just stay out of it you know let the dog and or horse let them be who they are and let them you know um how initiate this interaction and let them sort of manage it together because because our dogs are well trained and we don't take them places until we know we've got a reasonable amount of training on them under distractions if the shit hits the fan you're gonna be able to get them back do you know Mm, what i mean like we teach people how to manage the dogs and so we don't want the dogs to be um under our control at all times we actually want the dogs to be like fairly autonomous but we need to be able to gain control of a situation at any time and that's a safe that's absolutely a safety thing it's safety for the dogs safety for horses safety for clients safety for the therapeutic space as well it's another dimension that we don't talk about enough in this industry of that therapeutic space there's meant to be safety in that space so any time that that's compromised by us or an animal that we've brought along to that space, that's us not doing our job correctly if that's mm. what's happening. So we need to be able to make sure that we can gain control of the situation uh, pretty quickly, which we teach people to, we absolutely teach our students how to do that. That's what gave like me the confidence to be able to let my dogs just do stuff is because I'm like, well, you know, we all know how to read canon body language, you know, teach our students that and all that sort of stuff. So we can actually see like if things are going to be going a little bit haywire, we can actually see that and we can, um, yeah, gain control of the situation pretty quickly, which doesn't have to ha- actually have to happen very much at all. Mm-hmm. If you notice that, Joey, but like. No, I, uh, yeah, I'm quite a lot of confidence in my dogs you know it's more um because I obviously work in school where there's lots of kids mm. it will be more managing the groups of kids you know yeah. when I was in school for the first day at Tanamon purposely kept Wolfie away from crowded areas but uh, every now and then the kids would spot her so I had 20 kids stampeding towards me and I just put up both hands I'm like stop <laughs> <laughs> no, I put my teacher voice on Okay, just walk up quietly. A few, just a few. Don't do it. Please don't scare my dog. <laughs> yeah, mm, it's yeah. good for them too because they're learning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've been waiting to see her a long time. We've been showing photos and say she's coming, and so they're very excited. <laughs> Bless. 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 Very cute. Well, thanks for chatting to us, Joey. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah, no, that was insights. really interesting because I we haven't really spoken too much about multiple therapy dogs in the same sessions and same space. So, yeah, it's very interesting. And it takes yeah. people a long time to get there too. Like so if you're, you know, mm. getting a dog every two years, like you're looking <clears> at six years before you've got three working dogs. But then so you space them out as well so that um, they're not all retiring at the same time. 
Yeah, that's right. It's incredibly rewarding. It's the best job ever. It is. Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much, Joey. Thanks, no Sarah. Thank you. Mm, pleasure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in studying with Therapy Dogs Australia or you have a few more questions before deciding, please get in touch with us by emailing courses at therapydog.com.au or visiting our website at www.therapydog.com.au for more information and FAQs.